Oh, oh, one more thing. Hello and welcome to Just One More Thing, the podcast where each show we look at a specific episode of Columbo. I'm R.J. White. And I'm John Morris. This episode we're discussing A Deadly State of Mind, originally broadcast April 1975, directed by Harvey Hart, written by Peter Fisher, and starring George Hamilton, Leslie Ann Warren, and of course, Peter Falk as Columbo. And each show we're joined by special guests. Uh, This time around, it's uh, Brenna Zidane and Annie Maloney from the Ladylike Book Club podcast uh but first off john eh, what happened in this thing well george hamilton plays love him and leave him lothario hypnotherapist and <laughs> would-be pop psychology sensation dr <laughs> mark collier who was romantically entangled with his star patient played by leslie no ann warren in a fit of passion dr collier murders his patient's husband then concocts an unlikely tale of home invasion which he feeds to his psychologically unstable lover before leaving her to get grilled by the pigs. When Collier's wives prove fatal for the swim-crazy sex kitten, it's up to a hag-ridden Columbo to solve the case with the help of a blind man and his dog? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the qu- I, 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 I love the, uh, the the questioning at the end of this. <laughs> that merits a question. Is that crazy? That and his dog? How could this happen? I wish the dog were more involved. <laughs> the dog, the dog was plenty involved. The dog was plenty involved. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mostly in the reveal. But we're ruining the ending. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's not ruining any ending. It's it's a 40-year-old TV show. We're fine. <laughs> no we're safe. Yeah, there's no spoilers on this. It's been around. If they haven't seen it by now, it's on them. Right. That's their right. problem. And we All give right. them warning. We give them warning. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, we are welcoming... Uh, from the Ladylike Book Club podcast, Annie Maloney, Brenny Zidane. Ladies, how are you doing tonight? Oh, we're pretty doing good. pretty good, yeah. yeah. Be- before we get started, uh, for folks who are not familiar with your podcast, how would you describe that to them? Well, I was uh, kind of thrilled when y'all invited us to join y'all because I thought that we had the most niche podcast. <laughs> so thanks for proving us wrong, gentlemen. Um, we have a podcast that is a book club, hence our confusing title, where um, once a month, when I update it regularly, we discuss a lesbian romance novel. Um, believe it or not, they do exist. There are maybe about let's say 125 of them total. <laughs> We're clicking through the ranks. Um, and our goal is to uh, normalize the genre and explore uh, perhaps some romances with gays where one or the other don't die tragically in the end. Because mm-hmm. uh, we think girls deserve happy endings too. Yeah. We go off of Annie's mom's definition of a romance novel, yes. which is that there's a marriage at the end. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's two people end up on a cake or there's no romance. Exactly. <laughs> Fantastic. Exactly. And, and, and well, where the, can people find this program? Where can they, which they, which they dial up on the internet to uh, listen to the thing? Why they can try ladylikepodcast.com. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Well, we, uh, in honor of the Ladylike Book Club podcast, we found the closest thing to an erotic episode <laughs> of Columbo that it possibly exists. It's well, okay, not- you're saying that, but uh, you're leaving out uh, the one with Eddie Albert as a ship captain, but all right. <laughs> whatever. Wait till we get to that one. He cuts a mean figure in a Navy dress. That's right. <laughs> but, uh, uh, so that brings us to A Deadly State of Mind. How did you like the episode? Um, it was super fabulous. It was yeah. Uh, it was crazy I have, as heck. I have to say, 
Yeah. I, I kept getting distracted by how beautiful uh, all the all the homes were. Yeah. <laughs> Andy and I would both gasp at cars like <gasps> <laughs> Yeah, so full disclosure, I don't think I've watched an episode of Columbo since hitting puberty. I'm gonna oh. say. Okay. Um so I'm not at all familiar with Columbo or the Columbo structure or anything like that. And I actually found the whole experience to be incredibly delightful. It's a great show. <laughs> so you, you, like, you like the murder right at the outset. You know, exactly, you did it, yeah. and you know why, and it's right there, and that's it. And then you yeah. go for the races, and there you go. And what was really uh, enjoyable to me was how absolutely without guile Columbo is. Oh, man. Like, I was not really expecting that. I'm so well-trained by you old modern detectives that are going for a gotcha at every corner, where, whereas Columbo was just kind of doggedly working his way through this case That's every right. step of the way. Yes. Open. It was phenomenal. Well, I there, there, was, there was even, like, because uh, uh, the last episode we talked about, uh, the one with William Shatner, where we talked about how... Um, Shatner's character, the actor, actually kind of saw through the way Columbo does that sometimes, where he just kind of mm -hmm. fakes being dim, but it's not. Right. And that came up in this episode, too, where, like, he's, he's yeah. at one point where he's talking to uh, George Hamilton's character, the Doctor, and it was it, uh, oh, crap, they're going into that. Oh, uh, he says that uh, uh, it's how, how you reach your point without reaching your point. Yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like, yeah. Like just stop playing and stop playing dumb. Let's just, yeah, get to it. Whatever you're trying to do. So yeah. I think it's more interesting when like you have those episodes where he is up against someone who just isn't, Oh, I'm annoyed with this annoying guy. who seems like kind of adult. Like the ones where like, yeah, I know what you're doing. They know what his game yeah. is. And so they try playing it back and it's, yeah. Yeah. He understands. Or like George Hamilton understands that Columbo is not in fact a dumb, dumb baby. Yeah. Right. Yes. <laughs> right through that. It's because he's a doctor of psychology. That's right. Right. An expert <laughs> hypnosis, which we see from the beginning in that weird uh, set and scene that seems like in some weird community theater production of something involving a <laughs> yeah, doctor. You're gonna, you're the way it's lit. Theater, yeah. Right? yeah. It, it's like they, oh, they borrowed a set from Agnes of God or something. And it's just like it's <laughs> lit so strangely. Who doesn't enjoy a little black box Columbo? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you've just given me an idea for the Fringe Festival. <laughs> I'll just do a prescription uh, murder. That first, that opening scene raises my first question for the episode. Do you think all of Leslie Ann Warren's super creepy, uh, drugged mumbling was scripted, or do you think they gave her a little liberty to just freak us out? <laughs> I, I don't know. I know that it haunted me the rest of the episode. It's like, did <laughs> yeah. she kill her sister? Yeah, <laughs> you don't know. No, no, seriously. That, that, yeah. seriously. I, th I assumed that. Yeah. Because then she won't go forward and talk about it exactly. Like, mm -hmm. even her unconscious mind just cuts off with that. And like, okay. But you never find out. Like, you never find yeah. out specifically. What I found was delightful is that she seems, for the most part, a relatively normal mm -hmm. but weak woman. Yeah. And so, like, if you miss that opening bit, you're almost like, well, why the hell has she gone through, like, is she going through all this extensive therapy and whatnot? Except for the therapy <laughs> itself it makes you wonder. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah, well, his his successful, like, the, the, the treatment that he's trying to turn into a successful pop psychology sensation... Uh, is basically drugging her into utter pliability. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. yeah. Through a combination of telling her what to do and getting her too dopey to know not to. Yeah. Basically, he's kind of a yieldy pickup artist, is kind yeah. of the vibe I'm getting well, here. What I like is that he's he also, like, uh, sort of gets her by her loins as well. Yeah. But then she does that with, what, six plus psychologists? Yeah. That she's been going through? Right. Or 
yeah. yeah, these these others, these mysterious others. others. Like, and I'm sure they all wore a lot less leather than he does. So <laughs> I can oh. only hope. Well, that's my favorite pants. There's <laughs> skin. There's that it's one just scene nothing where but he's a... beige, flesh-colored leather during the he's murder scene. He's wearing a scene. George Hamilton suit. It's amazing. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's like if you skinned George Hamilton and made an outfit, and then made George <laughs> Hamilton wear that outfit. <laughs> well, I've got a question. I, I'm not exactly sure. Like, Okay, so this... Uh, aired 1975, and I, I'm not 100% sure about uh, George Hamilton's career, where this falls. Did he have a reputation by this point of being kind of a uh, uh, playboy, ladies' man, both on and off screen? Because it seems like this kind of plays into him being kind of a weird, sleazy, like you said, yeah. John, Lothario type of fellow. <laughs> and it seems like uh, th- th- this kind of falls right into the wheelhouse of that a little bit. He'd been doing soap operas. Oh, really? Yeah, he was on he was on television a lot. Anyway, I think they always kind of played him uh, as a Latin lover type. Yeah, but the just, soap opera thing is interesting. Cause it seems like it is some just really twisted episode of a soap opera gone way too far. Absolutely, like like where you would have okay, what are the consequences after the weird, unrealistic stuff in a soap opera where someone actually does end up dead and it ends up getting worse and worse and darker and darker, and well, you end up having to go to prison because of it. Now yeah, I don't believe that, that there's a whole huh. subcategory at fanfiction.net that's just Columbo oh. interrupting so- soap operas. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, man. That would be the best possible outcome. Everyone just goes to jail <laughs> for a season. It's, it's just, all over. That'd be <laughs> so an amazing Patty app Ryan. to invent. You just, whether you're watching Hulu or Netflix or whatever, and then just midway through, Columbo shows up. Put Columbo on it. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm not. Do for the Tumblr. Yeah, where where was George Hamilton in that in his point in his um, life? I know because I I just glanced at his uh, like biography earlier, mm-hmm. and uh, he had been like a lover in movies and stuff for quite mm-hmm. a bit. Him and his wife of the time, like in the sixties, they did Fine Young Cannibals, mm-hmm. where it's like a rags to riches sort of story. But yet your love and your passion doesn't change, right? And um, yeah, it, it just pretty. He was pretty steadily employed in both. TV and film as mm-hmm. a smooth motherfucker. Huh. I mean, so, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, like his acting. What do you guys think of his acting in this? I thought he was okay. I mean, yeah. better than I usually think of George Hamilton, I guess. I mean, he not, was not, not Godfather addict. 3 okay, but he still he was okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he yeah, sort of I, has one setting, I think. Yeah. yeah. I guess yeah. this really kind of fit that, sort of. Yeah. He definitely had a wider range than Leslie Ann Warren. <laughs> yeah. Well, you didn't enjoy her her uh, hypnosis. I'm gonna jump acting. Oh my god! The her f- naked flailing acting. Yeah, the amount strange. her tongue was working made me so uncomfortable. In my notes, I wrote, "Stop it with the tongue." Over 3,200 O faces a minute as she got up on her balcony. Oh. Yeah. It, it, uh, so, like, you you guys focused on Leslie Ann Warren probably killing her sister. I, I was focusing on the more obvious, c- clearly had weird feelings for her father. Yeah. Oh, that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was that was part of it. It was both of those things, yeah. I know. It just, oh, it got super gross after a while. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, the thing I was surprised at, because the guy who wrote this is the guy who uh, created and wrote a lot of murder she wrote. And I don't ever remember, as a kid, watching murder shows with my parents, any episodes getting this weird... Oh, you remember the one where Jessica Fletcher took a shit ton of Molly and was just rubbing her tits <laughs> oh, on the wall, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. That was, oh, that was one of the God. Jerry Orbach ones. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. Really, 
let's just say thank God that Murder She Wrote lacked <laughs> daddy issues. That's the yes. one thing that is that show did not need to explore. Two hundred and sixty four <laughs> episodes of Murder She Wrote. I bet there's one. There might be. Who knows? <laughs> oh, Nellie. But yeah, between her her creepy older wealthy husband mm-hmm. and clearly yeah. uh, bone in the therapist, clearly she's got some. Uh, uh, she wants just to put it on authority. Yes, twenty four seven. And speaking of the husband, uh, one of my favorite lines in this episode, when the guy's confronting before he turns into like a, a wife beating bastard, um, mm-hmm. uh, when when they're talking back and forth, and she says to him like, "Must you do this? Must you please?" And he uses this sarcastic, I must. He just says this weird little sarcastic <laughs> voice, like so mocking and strange. And it's such a great line delivery that I, I yeah. hate that later on he, he then ends up being this violent jerk. And this, yeah. and the murder itself. Um, it's a pretty quick murder. It's a quick mm-hmm. murder. It's an accidental murder. Mm-hmm. And it's at the point where like, okay, you know, you guys could stop now. You you could present this to the authorities and you would right. have kind of a case, but yeah, no, yeah. like that was, was kind of frustrating a, about this. When yeah. he was lighting his match, you could almost see like, all right, how do I fuck this up? Yeah, yes. exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I could get off. I could get out of here, and my rep would just be tarnished. But no, how do I really destroy everything? Yeah, exactly. yeah. My wife, my wife was kind of popping in and out as we were watching this, and she got increasingly more annoyed that they just didn't present it as what it oh, was. Yeah, yeah <laughs> like, no. it, it's, it's, so it's basically self defense. Yeah, and, it is. You know, yeah. If it's gonna mess had, up, he had hit both of them. So yes, you. Could, yeah, yeah. You had a thing, and yeah, I don't know. Right. I mean, if he there was anything that you might need to lie about to save your your doctory bookness it'd be just say not mention that you were boning her right yeah. but, i came but over because her husband hits her but That's he was already to... willing to walk out with her That's before true. that too yeah. so he had no compunction at all about his reputation about his practice any of it he was fine with that yeah and then just went to the point like well no we need an elaborate story <laughs> i think they they added one thing to his character in order to to defuse that a little bit which is when he's watching her beat her watching him beat her Mm -hmm. and he grabs the poker he doesn't just immediately run in like in a crime of passion he does take a second yeah and he kind of looks at the poker and he looks at them and you can tell that there's a rational idea forming so there's intent at least uh narratively speaking yeah that's a good catch yeah that's what i do here (laughs) <laughs> well you know if this is a dude who's rationalized himself that he can book deal his way through stealing drugs from his place of employment oh clearly God. the dude can rationalize himself through a lot of shit sure yeah. well he runs a place. i mean he's the it's the collier institute which that's something i noticed it seems like uh, colombo runs up a lot of a lot of people a lot of folks in these things where they're always like the head of an institute or a foundation or some sort of thing I don't know if it's like the mm-hmm. class thing where it's like all these people in academia, he ends up going, uh, but it seems like there's a lot of points where he goes to some building and it's so-and-so's institute and they're the one who's killed somebody. Mm-hmm. I really liked that when he visited, it was really like the visible metaphor institute. Yeah. <laughs> oh. that was, I thought that was, that was like, uh, that thing was like, I, oh, here's, here's, really the, here's the stripes for the mice. Oh, look yeah. at this. Same colored stripes. We're all in a maze, everybody. That oh they God, explicitly Jesus. spelled it out for us. Oh, my God. Just yeah. to make I, sure. I, I could not laugh Twitter. That was my favorite I thought it, part. I, oh. yeah. I thought it was a really good uh, retrofit of the industry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> pretty much what it looked like. Mm. Um, I was so, so uh, while we're still in the house, 
Yes. Uh, one of my fa- so uh, there's a there's a question that pops up in Columbo fandom uh, <laughs> about whether or not Columbo has a glass eye. We know that Peter Falk has one. Right. Really, this is the thing that comes up. It's Weird. it's mentioned. It's oh. actually been apparently it's been answered in one episode in, but, in the academic papers. Yes. <laughs> but the, in the scientific journal of Columbo studies, yes. published right. at Harvard. Uh, <laughs> but apparently, not only does he have a glass eye, he has a fucking bionic eye. What? What? Because he can find a match head <laughs> on a plush carpet. Well, he, he was he was looking around. He was looking down and saw this weird little object down there. He that saw a bu- red thing on a rust colored carpet. He is a very good what? detective. Come on. <laughs> See, I don't I don't find that uh, crazy and improbable. I find that uh, like that that's his job. That's what he does all the time. He's just looking around and just happened like, "Oh, I just saw this thing." Yeah, I don't know. That one I'm fine. The the one I find a little stranger is outside with a car treads. No something that size. Mm-hmm. That one to me yeah. is crazier than seeing a bright red like piece of metal. But they did that uh, when Hamilton, when Dr. Mark Collier uh, both approaches and leaves the house, he's just flat out leaving evidence. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like like it was his job. Yes. <laughs> and and sure yet it when was he peeled floor. out and left and hit the column that like there was going to be like a huge his car colored streak on the column that seems like and like obvious. a column colored streak on his car. Yeah. yeah, that was that's one thing. Yeah, that's something that kind of got dropped. That was never addressed. Where did he get that repaired? Or Mercedes yeah. Benzes are built that well that it doesn't even dent in the fender when he I hit a concrete column. I, I need the subplot about the mechanic that he's fucking to get his car fixed on time. Yeah, that just holy. seems to be because it's like the very next day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying. George Hamilton is very smooth. <laughs> Extremely. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't even have to have sex with him. He just kind of looks you in the eye and has that Svenjolly thing, and it's just kind of Svenjolly, Svengali. Ah, God, uh, it's the Seinfeld thing there for a second. Uh, also, yeah. So uh, Hamilton spreads it around in this episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Because he's he's also up on the nurse with the hacking cough. She's right. a doctor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's, she's a, doc- a doctor. Oh, you're right. Yeah, she's a doctor. She's Doctor Gordon, uh, played yep. by Karen uh, Karen Michonne. And uh, I was telling RJ before the show, the uh, the weirdest thing about it is George Hamilton can somehow kiss someone with his mouth closed and yet still use his tongue. <laughs> it's it's clearly a skill. Haven't, clo- haven't you, John? <laughs> Please, I I thought that's how that's done. It's imi- it's like he was imitating how a gecko cleans his eyes. It was the weirdest thing I've ever oh, seen. Oh dear! Oh, that's a really disgusting image. That's wonderful. <laughs> Um, but uh, yeah, take it, take it, RJ. I got. Well, well no, something like the, the house. So we talked about this uh, a little before the show. Um, this one actor uh, who ends up being in several Columbo episodes, um, Bruce Kirby, who's a uh, another cop with the department. Who I, he always plays the same character. What's his name, John? I forget the character's name. It's, it's um, Sergeant George Kramer. Sergeant Kramer, who whenever he like appears in helping out Columbo, he's never really impressed with Columbo at all. He always seems just <laughs> really annoyed, even though Columbo. Closes all kinds of crazy cases. He's probably had some kind of a reputation around the department. This guy it just always seems kind of annoyed with his nonsense. But yeah, he was, he, like, the, he was like in six of these. Is he the cop where when uh, Columbo hands him his notebook, Columbo insists, make yes. sure you give me back my yes, notebook? Yes, <laughs> right, right. And also, oh. it's uh, he's uh, uh, Bruno Kirby's father. Oh. Yeah. 
And uh, there's actually a later episode that I, I really want to get to. It's one of my favorite of these um, called Dawn's Early Light, where they're both in it. It takes place in Military Academy, and uh, mm-hmm. Bruce Kirby is, um, of course, there as a cop, you know. But then his son is, like, one of the, like, students at the Academy or whatever. So mm-hmm. huh. I'm thrilled that we, we finally got a Bruce Kirby episode because I yeah. really like it. Yeah, I know. He's great in this thing. Yeah. And I'm thrilled also. This is our This is our second slash third episode, depending how we're counting. And we finally got a guy, got a murderer who's completely bad. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, he's terrible. You have no, there is, that, that's the thing, like the last two we did, the Johnny Cash one and the uh, Shatner one, you kind of feel like, oh, they murdered people, this this is awful, um, but, yeah, kind of yeah, had they, a point. They, they, they were both being blackmailed. Yeah, yeah, they're both being blackmailed, pretty much, yeah. Uh, this and, one, uh, he's yeah. just terrible. I, I, I'll tell you, if I did see this one, I'd... When I was a kid, I didn't remember it because I was completely surprised uh, by what he did halfway through the episode by uh, uh, hypnotizing Leslie Ann Warren to jumping off the balcony. Like, I yeah. didn't see that coming, and it was terrible. And that's a yeah. point where you just oh. you want him gone, and then he's so arrogant about it. Yeah. That scene where they're both on the dock, um, and mm-hmm. he's like, oh, well, if you have evidence, well, I guess I should be in cuffs, huh? You don't? Well, let me know when you do. It's like, oh my god, just shoot him. He's just terrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It, well, it's so odd, because he was heroically acting towards her benefit. Right. Briefly. The murder is justified. Briefly. It, I mean, the assault is justified, I guess Very, you could say. very briefly. Unless he was yeah. trying to protect his investment in his book. Who knows? That's also think, a possibility. Yeah, that's yeah. what it was. Yeah. Like, yeah. that might be that pause you notice. He's like, oh, well, oh, he's, he's going to hurt her. And that's my book going down the drain. I got to do something about this. Bam! I mean, that might that's have a, been it too. That's a good interpretation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What a gross guy. He's a terrible <laughs> person. Like, so when I watch these, so when I get ready for these things, you know, I'll watch it one time through, and then I'll watch it a few days later, take notes. I really didn't want to watch this one the second time. It was just unpleasant because I just, yeah, I didn't want to see all this happen again. It was just awful. There's a certain kind of human that's just basically gross on a fundamental level, but mm-hmm. still charismatic is the wrong word. It's just like that that smiling jack-off kind of dude that it just makes your skin crawl. Right. And way to go, George Hamilton, for making my <laughs> skin crawl through time, space, and the television. That's and pretty more, good. Even more so during that uh, that weird uh, party he's having at his house. Dear oh, Lord. That was a weird, that, that was, was like a so straight-up key party. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Just all dumb doctors with a bowl full of keys. Yeah. <laughs> and they all like, they yeah. lunge at Columbo. Because oh, it's, it's something, like, yeah. something interesting. Actually, I, I love that scene just because of the way Peter Falk plays that, too. Yes. The way he's yeah. like making the eye contact with him when he making eye contact with uh, Hamilton when he's saying, like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I guess it would have to be somebody with a lighter who had something recently replaced in the lighter and everything like that. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Do you yeah. know? Do you know what it actually? That's the party scene, not in a direct met, uh, uh, simile or whatever. Uh, reminded me of was when Zed is introduced into the colony of immortals. Oh my god! In yeah, Zardoz, yes. and the way they all like <laughs> just suddenly lunge at him. Yeah, it's like, like it's a, it's an other, and he's like a yeah. class. I, I will have to take your analogy. folks' word on this. I was gonna say I love that you just called that out to the very small overlap in the Venn diagram <laughs> of Columbo enthusiasts and Zardoz viewers. That, that's the one. That's that's the thing Zardoz. with um, uh, Sean Connery and the harness, right? 
Yeah. Yeah, it's that one. Oh, jeez. What does it say that three out of the four of us live in the middle of that Venn diagram? I I don't know. It's got me thinking I should start another podcast. Yes. Oh Zardoz cast, yeah. Uh, I'll just go over. I'll, I'll start up a uh, Law and Harry McGraw the uh, podcast over here, and that's uh, <laughs> going on. Going, okay, just deliberately but, walking yeah. out of the Venn diagram. Are we? Up there? <laughs> yes. No, but what I really liked about that scene is that it really kind of exemplified for me the the kind of character that um, what uh, Club Bill really plays on skillfully in this episode is this whole, not only that he is less intelligent than these, like, the idea that he is less intelligent than these smart people that he certainly couldn't out fool, but also the class aspect mm-hmm. oh, of yeah, it. Oh, yeah, definitely, yes. Like, that yeah. was just fascinating to me. He's like, oh, sir, ma'am, you know, it's, you know. You, like, very well, kindly. There, there, there's there's a thing. Uh, yes. But when he comes in and uh, uh, Hamilton asks him what he wants to drink, he says, "Oh, do you have a, do you have a cream soda?" Oh, and so and yeah. as he turns around, Hamilton's like, "Hold on, I'm give him a cream soda." Like acting like that's the worst thing in the world to get. But yet he has some. He's got a <laughs> bottle right, right there in the bar. But he acts like it's such a stupid thing to ask for. And it's, it's yeah. a baby drink. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> He's just like that's what my underage patients that I also hypnotize and drink. <laughs> yes. Uh, but but I mean. Oh, he's but, st- but that scene is just interesting because, yeah, you've got these people who are these these doctors, this circle of whatever the hell they do, and yet they're just fascinated by, oh, it, it's Columbo's almost this kind of novelty yeah. circus freak kind of thing. Because yeah. it's, it's this world that they have no idea about. This like, oh, it's about murder and crime and terrible things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he plays it. He plays people. it to the hilt. And he plays it to the hilt while making his point to the guy. Like, I yes, know what yes. you did. I know I'm on you, and I know what's going on. Like, there's that one thing I, I forget what he's telling, but there's something where he just kind of um uh goes off to the side. Oh, that's what it is. He's like, I tell you, but he like does this thing, this very fake off to the side thing where he puts his hand for him. He's like, yeah, but her story is getting shakier. But he's doing it yeah. loud enough for everyone to hear. And yeah. it's such a fake play-acting thing he's doing, but he's doing it just to kind of shake this guy, who then yeah. goes over to the phone and commits murder via phone, like, two yeah. minutes later, oh. which is horrible. Right. Horrible. I-, I thought that whole scene was kind of like this beautiful little one-act play. Really <laughs> of just Columbo, like, playing this dude. It was yeah. astonishing. And-, and then there's, like, the weird thing where Hamilton does that weird British accent. Yeah. Oh, oh my God! And like, his- what? I realized... The, the point, the point where like one of the other doctors has to explain he's doing a British accent. Oh, he's yeah. doing a British accent. <laughs> we had to rewind that and watch that again because we was, were both like, was... "What the hell just happened?" <laughs> it, it was, if it was the, I don't, I would love to know if it was the director that did that or if Hamilton <laughs> improvised that because it's such a weird choice. To yeah, he's do like that. Uh, Leslie Ann Warren got to improvise getting fucked by her dad. <laughs> So yeah, I get to improvise the English accent. It's such a weird thing. I'm now of I'm of two minds as we're talking about this scene because at first I was thinking uh, that his guests being so horrible and and really kind of vulgar people, yeah, might might have served to like uh, to further condemn Hamilton's character. Mm. But then I'm also thinking it might help to make him a little more sympathetic too because surely when the scandal broke of him having murdered his lover's husband or be sleeping with a patient anyway, he would have been the subject of their fascination the same way Columbo had been. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. I was thinking about the next party, like two weeks right. later, where they're like, all oh, that George Hamilton, did you hear? <laughs> you know? It'd be oh. 
oh. Yeah. Well, I think also, yeah. like, with those people, too, it seems like uh, Dr. Collier had this thing of this, this this wanting to surround himself with people that he feels very superior to. And I think that's probably what's kind of frustrating yeah. with Columbo. At first he feels that, and it's like then he realizes, oh, crap, no, this guy. I mean, his, his whole line about him being a marvelously deceptive man, he sort of realizes that. So he probably, probably why he hangs around with those goons. He feels like, oh, yeah. I'm better than these people. He's better that's than... True. He feels like he's better than... Uh, the well, I mean, well, there's that line. The the husband, uh, he's saying like talking about like the the weirdos and losers. She usually uh, he, he right. knows weirdos, losers, the trash. Oh. yeah, the trash. He usually she usually associates with. And he said, "Well, you'd be surprised." Like I think he's got this weird thing where he always only wants to surround himself with people he feels superior to. And I think that Look little click y'all. of his is that whole is that whole thing. Yeah. Check out your parallel analysis. Look at this is going on here in the Columbo podcast. My goodness. <laughs> you go deep. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's absolutely yeah, 110%. But yeah, those people, that was, it was just such a, what I really did enjoy about that scene, though, was how much fun they were having yeah. and oh, how yeah. much George Hamilton was visibly not having fun. Oh, yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. Was having more fun with Columbo that. I mean, there's, was there's, having there's, a great night. There's, that one po- there's a one point in that scene where just the two of them make eye contact and you know that each of, like, both of them know what the mm-hmm. other knows. It's just, it's, it's kind of interesting. And then actually for what a kind of limited actor George Hamilton is, it was actually pretty well played, I thought. That one I, still, I still maintain, uh, about a year ago I wrote a summary of this episode for my, my Tumblr, uh, and I still maintain that Hamilton could be revived for an HBO-style villain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, he could, he could have done something like Powers Booth as Cy Tolliver or as oh, Dabby as the Commodore, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. definitely, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> He's probably so, enough dough. He's just gonna. He's just gonna lay in the sun for the rest of his life, though. He's continued fine, looking like a suitcase. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, pretty so much. right after the party, of course, uh, Leslie Ann Warren takes her dive from the uh, from the balcony. We get a little more Bruce Kirby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then now Annie and and Brenna have not seen a lot of Columbo, so this what happens to Columbo after this is really unique. Oh, where he just he's angry. Yeah, you yeah. never he, like, see Columbo. He explodes a little bit. He gets angry. Like he doesn't usually get yeah. mad like that. He always he honestly he, he always carries around evidence and rumpled paper sacks, but he never gets angry <laughs> along with it. I yeah, I I that was the other thing that angered my wife. By the way, was their treatment of evidence. But just, despite that, yeah, he just always does that. <laughs> yeah. Guy is always but carrying so... around guns and paper sacks, shoes, <laughs> bloody knives and paper sacks, whatever in his pocket, stained pocket. Just drops stuff in his. I love when he drops stuff in his pocket. Yeah. Sorry. I just told myself it had already been processed. Right. He's, <laughs> yeah. he's already got some, some minor cop intern to do all the yeah. paperwork yeah. for him. <laughs> but no, honestly, even without knowing the greater Columbo canon, Columbo lore, uh, <laughs> that was his anger was alarm was startling. Like yeah. I, they, he did a great job of just how he clearly had a very limited ability to even process that anger. Mm-hmm. The thing that stuck with me most was he didn't go home. Yeah, no. yeah, because yeah, right. he was sitting there shaving his little face at the yacht dock. Yeah, yes. he's yeah, yeah. just getting more and more disheveled mm-hmm. and beat to hell during this whole episode because he refuses to let it go. And mm-hmm. I, we talked last episode a lot about Columbo's relationship with his wife mm-hmm. and the idea of him not returning to her at the end of a day of work mm-hmm. is frighteningly alien. Mm-hmm. So that it, it, that, that's what struck me is that he went an evening without going home. Which, yeah. I don't know, 
violates the, the almost the precept of the character. So it's shocking. Mm. Mm. Maybe he was just overly emotional, went home and got a big fight with Mrs. Columbus. No. And, he uh, yeah, I think he says he didn't go home. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> Excuse me. I retract my fan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's a combination of things going so quickly and progressing so quickly to utter terribleness, along yeah. with, like, his desire to see this slime ball. Yeah. Just yeah. crushed directly confronts one of the potential witnesses, which is another thing he almost never does. Right, yeah. But he flat out says, this is a murder! Right, yeah. yeah. He's just, he's just, yeah, he's just really pissed. So then this, this kind of gets us uh, toward the end of the episode, which is one of the shakiest things <laughs> to hang a murder war <laughs> yeah. that I have seen. It was, it was a sick burn, but it was fictional, not... <laughs> fictional or real. It just kind of like, yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> it was really alarming to me because the whole episode is pretty solid police work. Yeah. <laughs> Up until, until this, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Columbo's little Max Fisher show at the end of the episode here. It's like, <laughs> so but yeah, but so basically uh, to, to to explain to the folks at home, um yeah, he, so uh George Hamilton had, had rushed out after committing the murder, uh hit the thing and startled a blind fellow and his dog. I'm assuming the dog was startled. Dogs are easily startled. <laughs> Even in that line dead. of work, yeah. they're easily startled. Um, they're animals, after all. Why wouldn't you be? Um, loud noises. So, calls George Hamilton in, and uh, has this guy come in, sit on the couch, and uh, tell him George Hamilton, oh, this is the guy who saw you. And George Hamilton's like, now this guy's blind. Let me show you. Read <laughs> on this magazine. doctor. <laughs> I can see the way the way he's presenting, the way he's looking. This a nice trick with the uh, the matches, whatever. And then the guy's actually reading things out of the the magazine, you know, like a always pack a bulky sweater and some heavy underwear. And it just <laughs> throws him off. And it turns out no, Columbo just had uh, the blind fellow's brother pretend to be the blind fellow. Which the end. Yeah. yeah. Can you imagine like, that in court? Yeah. It was it was it was it was one of the weakest yeah. ends of these I've seen, which was kind of a shame. But yeah, because like you, because like you said, the rest of it he'd been doing some solid investigating, a lot of stuff. And then this is this is the rock solid bedrock case. To okay, yeah. I was, I was what, a little really, what really hurt the most about that as an ending is that this George Hamilton is such a grade A creep. You oh, yeah. really want Columbo oh, to you get want to him. nail him to the yeah. wall? Yes, yeah, just to get oh. some solid evidence or break him down so he's just saying something specific. But he never does quite explicitly say yes that was me at that play it, it's still it's a little yeah, circumstantial yeah. yeah well maybe it's like you thought i was dumb well here's the dumbest possible evidence to pin you with <laughs> that, yeah it was it was weird i, I wish hamilton dis trying to prove the blindness had gone on longer like yeah. there's no way you can juggle and then he juggled <laughs> there's no way you can knit oh he can knit well there's no way you can read the advanced dungeons and dragons fifth edition rules to me and then well, I, GM I wanted, a campaign. I wanted him to read more of that article about uh, packing the heavy underwear. I know. It's bulky <laughs> sweaters. Coming up on cold <laughs> spring. Because I'm we'll not... I usually, when I'm going someplace, I never know exactly what to pack for what climate. <laughs> and this actually would have been helpful. But no. <laughs> Cut it there short. So, something so absurd about the Morris brothers standing next to each other at yeah. the, in the room at the end. <laughs> like, I expected them to do a little a Sound of Music farewell. <laughs> Or White Christmas. Exactly. Yes. Right, yeah. 
Oh, well, here, here's an odd uh, casting thing, too. Um, so the one Morris brother could see they were trying to use him to trick uh, Hamilton. Uh, that right. guy was in, uh, like, uh, three or so John Cassavetes films, a couple with um, uh, Peter Falk, too. So it's it's like, as we're watching more of these, I'm I'm noticing there are a lot of connections to John Cassavetes films. So this is getting kind of weird a little bit. But, I mean, not really. I mean, he was in, in Friends of them and stuff, but, yeah. Yeah, there's, a, there's anyway. an explanation. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. There's a very specific... A... Yeah, I know. It's not that weird mystery thing, but you wouldn't expect uh, people... I th- isn't there a Gina Rollins episode, too? She's in one. She's a killer in one, I think, isn't she? Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty sure. Yeah. I actually... Uh, I was looking at a list of assorted actors, and there was someone who surprised me, and I can't remember who it was, but I'll... So, I'm glad I interrupted to say that. <laughs> Let me... Here, I've got a point, and there is no end to it. <laughs> I'm looking at uh, my notes. Oh, uh, for some reason I noted uh, Leslie, not Anne, Warren's uh, ridiculous nightgown when they're in the apartment penthouse. The weird feathery, the weird feathery nightgown when they're just having coffee and hanging out. I'm so glad you gentlemen can't see what we're wearing as we're recording this podcast. (laughs) You're wearing Same here. I'm I'm wearing my feathery (laughs) nightgown this evening. Um, Those sort of home clothes were actually pretty normal. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, you they know, were filmy and ridiculous. <laughs> I was like, "How you went?" Well, I feel like if I lived in a in a nightmarish apartment building or mm-hmm. like condo like that building, then it's only appropriate. You yeah. know, you have to have something <laughs> theatrical to compensate for that building and to balance the butter yellow carpet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the uh, the vertiginous view of the hypno pool is oh, from Lord. the balcony. The, the way the way that weird foreshadowing of coming up from that. Yeah, yeah. Like the, the really cool the balconies that's coming up. Yeah, yeah. So Someone's gonna be falling off of this. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> falling off the Goldfinger balcony. I, I just seeing those those buildings made me wince. I was like, yeah. this is not going to end well. Yeah, they're real. Well, plain. you know, it's an old rule. If you if you're going to show a jagged balcony in a pool in the first act, <laughs> someone's <laughs> jumping off of it naked by the third. <laughs> that old TV tropes yeah. page. Yeah. That uh, old saw. That canard. <laughs> Um, I do love that George Hamilton seems super pissed that she got naked before jumping into the pool. I didn't tell her specifically to get naked. Yeah. Oh. He but seemed like strangely kind of... angry about the phone, too. Yeah, yeah, like, why can't she just pick up after herself? <laughs> <laughs> but to be fair, as far as they were discussing, you can't hypnotize someone into doing something they don't want to do. Right. She, he specifically referenced swimming as a child, so she went through the process oh. of what she did swimming as a kid. So well, that was a little bit of science. So, so wait a minute. I just yeah. Something just occurred to me. So she apparently always swam naked. Oh, oh god! So, that just oh, hit me. I only just daddy watching her. Yes. Oh, oh no. my god! I didn't know this could get more gross. It did. Oh my goodness! So, so congratulations, she RJ. Holy <laughs> crap! That's terrible. That's a terrible, oh. creepy thing. Oh, oh and then like, oh, getting. Oh, this is. You're right. Because not yep. only was she getting undressed to swim, she was getting orgasmic about it. She was also <laughs> carefully folding all of her clothes yeah. like a presentation. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing is, okay, so but then maybe to temper this a little bit, he had said the thing Please. about her being very, very warm. So maybe that could kind oh. of explain some of it. I don't know. I don't. Oh, yeah. wow. let's, let's I'm not sure. But it's yeah. But it's, but the other <laughs> thing, the other thing is kind of there a little bit. Yeah. So yeah. Hmm. 
Just the unpleasantness oh, is just there, ripe for the plucking, right yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> Constant harvest. And you know what? I, I think for me, unpleasant is kind of the watchword for this episode a little bit. Yeah. There, there was nothing. I mean, there, there were there were specific moments, like really good Columbo moments. You know, like the the the, the scene where the guys, the crime scene investigating team, is doing the stuff. There were just chattering in the background, but then mm-hmm. you see him just sitting on the couch, working everything out in his head, yeah. sequence yeah. by like, bit by bit, and the thing, like, hey, it's possible. Like, that whole thing. Yeah. Um, and the stuff about, like, jokes about how his car is crappy, and all that kind of right. stuff. Right, yeah. His French import. Yeah, yeah. His, oh, it's a French <laughs> car. Yeah, yeah, my car. My car's a French car, and nobody believes him. Um, yeah. But but overall, <laughs> it just, it, it was just kind of an unpleasant, ugly thing. Yeah. The whole thing. Well, it's just such a sad narrative every way you yeah. look at it. Oh, it's it's just It's a terrible dark I mean any, any I mean it's a show that's completely centered around murders every week, but this one just seemed particularly dark and strange and creepy somehow. Well, a lot of the murders that we see yeah. on Columbo don't target uh victims. That's yeah. They they very often it's other rich people who are the who get murdered. Right. And so it's very Leslie Ann Warren, while wealthy, was certainly a character who clearly had been victimized her entire life. Oh yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. Right, yeah. To to then it's... then for things for her to end like that is just yeah worse and terrible and just yeah it's just it's a really dark, ugly episode. I, I was surprised at where it went. I was That's why Columbo couldn't sleep. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You, know, there you, you can't go. sleep after that. It's like I, I definitely had hoped that she wouldn't wake up in the midst of that jump and just yeah. die thinking nope, that nope. Daddy was just uh, yeah. But no, she had to wake up nope. just as she was looking over the edge. How about <laughs> yeah. that that really weird uh, line that Bruce Kirby has when they're down by the side of the pool? Oh God, yeah. And he says, "Check out what she's wearing, detective." Oh, that but was. Oh. It's moments after he's like. Oh, she looks awful. Don't look under there. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, check out what she's wearing. <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh. Well, yeah, but then also that poor bastard they talk about who was going out for, for smokes oh, with his dog who saw her hit. Uh, you don't see the guy. You know, there's some guy just going out with his dog for cigarettes in the middle of the night, and then, oh, no, well, about 10 o'clock at night. And I got to say, dogs did not see the best of humanity in this episode. No. 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 Woof. Yeah. Do- dogs are ladies. Yeah, really. I the mean, show it's... ain't kind to dogs or broads. That's yeah. all it boils down to. Yeah, because the 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 lady doctor that George Hamilton oh, yeah. had clearly had her work uh, just covered up with his name a bunch. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. like oh, that yes, relationship. Yes. Talking about the yeah. yeah, talking about the book. Like, oh, his book. Oh yeah, it's his book. I I helped him with the research. But you know, you know, she did yeah. a lot of the writing on it. It wasn't oh, just yeah. helping the Every... research, probably. It's the way she says it. Yeah. Every single relationship George Hamilton has in the show makes your skin crawl within moments. Yes. <laughs> it's just like... Yeah. Even with that yeah. huge supercomputer in that room, he probably did creepy things to that, too. Who knows? Well, he smoked in there, and he used <laughs> yeah, <to> smoke <laughs> right. the uh, ashtray on the dashboard. That was what got me. Like... <laughs> oh, those things have to be water-cooled. <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking of the climax of uh, desk set with the, oh, like, yeah. the cigarette on the machine. It's like, whoa. Oh, Lord. <laughs> That's fantastic. We just made another Venn diagram. <laughs> <laughs> this one actually, no. That's good. 
I would like everyone to does. join us in the middle of the Colombo desk set Venn diagram. Yeah, <laughs> out there. It's, a bit, it's a bit less disturbing than Zardoz. No, I want a, I want a three-way Venn diagram now of the desk set Colombo Zardoz yeah. fandom. Oh. Don't don't use the word three-way with that either. That's, yeah. Good God. So uh, terrible so nightmares. What's uh what's our overall feeling on this as an episode? I I, mean, I liked it. I never want to see it again. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's it. Yeah. Um for from my perspective, it was a pretty darn good and compelling introduction to Columbo as a character. Oh mm-hmm. good. Well that's good. Yeah, that's excellent. That's good to hear. Okay. Like I, I felt very even though uh it reminded me a little bit, and this is a very odd comparison I know, of the Continental Op, the Dash Hammett character. Oh no, where, no, that's not weird at all. That's yeah. yeah. The Continental Op, you know very you know nothing about him except in the context of his actions in regards to the case he's assigned to. Mm-hmm. And I, I loved how much I got to know of Columbo just by how he interacted with other people and how he went through the day. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't need any like deep backstory to be able to come up with a lot of of feelings around Columbo. So mm-hmm. good job. Good job this episode. <laughs> Yeah, I, th- I thought I thought it was it was yeah. It's great with that. There's a lot of a lot of really good. I mean, you know what? You're you're hard pressed to find an episode where it's not a good Columbo episode. This this was like third season, fourth, uh, fourth, seventy fourth. Yeah. Okay, fourth season. So like where Peter Falk definitely by that point they know what's going on. They know what to do. In his group. I like I, personally. I love this one for all of the exceptions to the character. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you know, like the the. Staying up all night and becoming angry about the case, losing, uh, having another murder victim in the middle of the episode. Yeah, that never happens. That's weird. Yeah, they they really drag out new elements of Columbo so that they become the sort of exceptions that prove the rule of the the character by large. Yeah, it just it's, for me um, the the ending and the wrapping things up to try to trap the murderer. That part was kind of shaky. That the best. Yeah. That's the only yeah. part I'm not a big fan of. Well, except for how creeped out I am by Leslie Ann Warren's monologue. Well, yeah. yeah, 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 right. <laughs> yeah, which actually, you know, you say monologue, that that should be a standard thing people do in college theater classes <laughs> instead the of country. Hamlet. Yes. Oh Lord, <laughs> right up there with Richard the Third's opening monologue. <laughs> Father, okay, I so don't who, want you watching her. Who, who's next? Who's next? Oh, hi. I'm gonna do. Um, I'm gonna do a season four episode of Columbo. Okay, uh, just go. Uh, a deadly go, state uh, of mind. Um, <laughs> Okay, go go ahead. I don't know this yeah. one. And, then, and, then, and, then, and the director, this is the director of the audience, goes like, "Yeah, oh, this is weird." <laughs> you, you know, oh, you know, we're we're doing we're auditioning uh, My Fair Lady. <laughs> but all right, I I guess okay. It's appropriate. What if, what if there's yeah, music? No. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> what if there was an apocalypse and this was one of the few scripts that survived? <laughs> It's just like, what, is it like the, all the children in, in Mad Max? Daddy, watch me dive. Remember this. <laughs> I catch okay, on licking its eyes. Remember I'm this? Just, I'm just imagining post-apocalyptic children being Peter Falk. <laughs> that would be fun. You would that do one girl worse. dressed like an emu wearing, the, wearing it like a coat. Yeah. Yeah, the king's robes are just an oversized trench coat. The twelve year old tyrant king. The whole culture around Columbo. I'm sorry, I've now entered the post apocalyptic Columbocracy <laughs> in my mind's eye. And this is how Zardoz happens. 
Uh, it's not not how Zardoz happened. It, 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 it's like, better than them being uh, Burt Reynolds and Beale Striker. That's all I can say. It's, wow. If they got to pick a detective show. Thanks, John, for the wow. <laughs> I could have gone with the Cosby mysteries, but instead I went with Reynolds. Oh, Beale Striker? That's a deep cut. It's a deep cut. The Cosby mysteries. You know what? That should be one. We'll just do like go off and just do a Cosby mysteries episode. So we can find one. Oh, man. Actually, I'm writing. I'm putting a pin in that. <laughs> That's what the you Cosby mysteries. <laughs> what are you writing it like uh, in foot high letters? Yes. <laughs> See, just spray paint on the wall. <laughs> As befits Bill seconds. Cosby, yes. <laughs> Philistine. <laughs> no respect for Cosby. Should we? Should we take a? Should we take a second and do a segment change? Well, we'll, we'll start talking about something else. Okay, fair that, enough. That that works too. Um, <laughs> like, either, way, I, either either uh, we could pause and and say we're doing that, or we could just uh, start talking about other things. I just thought I would, cre- I would give us a section, like a clear section in the recording, where we could edit it out. And well, then let do me it, tell you but... something, John. It's a less work for me to edit it out than to just keep going. <laughs> Only suck I'm telling you right now, I'm Sorry. leaving this all in. This is You're all showing sure Oh, I was. Just, oh, you beat Solid me to the sausage. Gold. You beat me to the sausage remark. Um, so last week, uh, we were talking about the, these other uh, NBC mystery uh, movie programs. And we brought up the fact that, uh, um, well, because we'd been talking about the fact that uh, Mark Ruffalo, it had been come up that maybe, oh, he could play Columbo. Mm-hmm. And uh, Maggie Sirota last week thought, oh, Mark Ruffalo, maybe he would be a better Rockford. Like, oh, that's not bad. So John thought, hey, what, what if we recast some of the other uh, NBC mystery movie shows. I don't know if you folks are that familiar with them or not. Like uh, McLeod, McMillan and Wife, uh, Banachek. Quincy uh, actually started out as an NBC mystery movie. Uh, but um, I, I have a couple. I'm sure John has a couple too. If, if you folks have some, we can do those too. But uh, uh, John, uh, what would you uh, cast modern day actors and actresses as? And the uh, NBC mystery movie revivals. Okay, I, I only did. Uh, I went just for the original four episode or four show roundup of. Oh, oh, sure, sure. You don't want to get the other ones in. No, not that, yet. That's watering down. <laughs> Spread it out. We yeah, got exactly. 104 episodes to cover. So really? Oh, Jesus uh, yeah. Christ! And I the George Went one. Like, I signed up for 60. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Uh, Spread your contract. Yeah, crap. So, keeping in mind that, and I, as I mentioned this, I think on the on the pilot, I have I not only had never seen Macmillan and Wife. Oh, well, I didn't you're even. Okay, I didn't even know what the concept was. Oh. or who was in it. Oh, <laughs> until until we started doing research for the episode. <clears throat> huh. But that being said, uh, Macmillan and Wife, who was was Rock Hudson and Susan St. James. Yep. Uh, as a sort of lighthearted, maybe modern day thin man. A little bit, yeah, yeah, bit. So, yeah, yeah. Sorry, just in a relationship. I guess right. husband and wife solving crime, kind of lighthearted. I'm going to go with Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence. Ooh, oh, I like that. Yeah. So, really likable kids, very charismatic. See, for me, and because... And let's be honest, if you're going to cast for today, you have to cast for the Tumblr gifts. So yeah, that yeah, would... Exactly. Yeah. Well, see, for me, because so, that, that show was about... Um, he, he's the older guy uh, who married a young wife, and he's like the police commissioner in San Francisco... And so he's kind of... So I was thinking, like, uh, Ian McShane and Kristen Bell. Wow. Ian McShane is, like, the... Uh, the he's a police commissioner, and then he's got his 
uh, younger wife he married, maybe second marriage, third marriage, let's say fifth, fifth marriage, <laughs> and um, they're solving crimes, getting into fixes together, that sort of thing. So I thought those two would be good, because he's always kind of like, oh, you, with your crime solving. And that is the most, <laughs> that's the best Ian McShane I've ever heard. <laughs> I know. Oh, that's actually, that's actually a catchphrase yeah. from the original yeah, remember, show. Oh, you, remember you that one episode? crime solving? That whole episode of Deadwood where he was just, oh, you kids. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Shucks, fellas. Oh, golly, golly woggles. Uh, did you... gods, that's my favorite. <laughs> with, uh, so with, uh, with a little bit of Macmillan and wife background, Brenna and, and Annie, any ideas? Well, in general, I'm incapable of ever saying no to Ian McShane, and I've seen the terrible movies to back that up. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do love the Kristen Bell. What, what's what's her butt? Who's the um, the, the Gwen Stacy? Oh, uh, oh, Emma, oh Stone. Emma Stone. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. gosh, you know what? That'd be yeah. Good if you want to yeah. pair a real sass with some grump oldness, yeah. I think yeah. that's yeah. a good Actually, one. Actually, that would be yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, Woody Allen agreed with you. So, oh, Lord. Yeah. Yeah. congratulations. <laughs> 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 Well, you know, my my wife and I do this thing where um, one of my wife's favorite games is casting random things, and inevitably we always default to our primary Hollywood crushes, which are um, (laughs) Gemma Arterton, and depending on our whims of the moment, either uh, Tom Hardy or Idris Elba. Yeah. So just assume that's my answer for any given question, (laughs) any given casting moment. (laughs) I like Idris Elba as Macmillan. That would be interesting. Yeah. Mm. All right. Oh, yeah, I like him with. But I'm, I'm used to. I'm used to him being. Oh, like him and Emma Stone would be great. I'm used mm-hmm. to him being like I can't picture him in a crime thing without it just being. Um, oh, I'm blanking on the name of the show. His really good creepy show, Luther. Luther yes. Luther. Like I'm just imagining him just constantly always being dark and not having a wife and yeah, just being he's, so he's so it. conflicted and and on the edge of being a crooked cop and everything else. He's a really good charismatic goofball. Is the yeah. thing, and he yeah, never that, gets... that's the thing. Yeah, I always forget that. You know, you know, he's a he's a DJ. What? Oh, really? Maybe. Yeah. So he's got he's got the ability to really work a crowd. Here and... we go, throwing it out there. Tom Hardy's a rapper. We officially have my favorite act. <laughs> <laughs> yes. There we go. <laughs> y'all, y'all continue talking for a little while. I'm going to sit over here and think about that. All right. <laughs> I. I... Oh, I'm sure he raps. It's just the idea of saying Tom Hardy is a rapper. <laughs> Seems a little far fetched. Uh, RJ, do you have a do you have a McLeod? I don't have a McLeod. I have a Banachek, but not a McLeod. Mm, who'd you get for Banachek? Um, actually, it came up last week. Uh, the, the George Clooney is Banachek, which that would work. And I brought that up to, to my wife, and she said, "No, no, no, it should be a Brad Pitt." And I thought, "What?" And I thought, "Oh, actually." Imagining him doing that stuff, that actually a Brad Pitt would actually be very good as Vanacek, I think. Right. I can accept that. Would not be bad. I did do uh, I did do a McLeod. I thought Nick Offerman would make a good McLeod. Mm. And anyone else from Parks and Rec? Yeah, I, I know. I did pick Parks and Rec's actors, but... <laughs> Let's just cast the entirety of Parks and Rec and or any given Ocean's Eleven movie. And then, <laughs> yeah. uh... I, I almost did um, uh, Offerman and Megan Mullally as McMillan and Wife. And oh, that, that, would be, that would be fun. That would actually yeah. be fun. Goofy yeah. Movie. You know, I was, I was trying to think of Quincy, and I realized our generation uh, does not have a Klugman, and that made me no, sad. No, we don't. We don't have a Klugman because we, we had a, a cl- we had a Klugman, we had the Klugman for most of it, but we yeah. never planned for the future without a Klugman. <laughs> we didn't. We didn't gather ye rosebuds while you may. We have. We have no additional Walter Mathaus. We I have know. No additional. Yeah. We're out of Klugmans Klugman. and Mathaus. Yeah. We don't even have a Phil Silvers. Yeah, I, that's too far. Nobody knows it. That, that's a shame. But yeah. 
I don't know. I, I know who he is. No, I know, <laughs> but I, I, oh, I, I definitely know who he is. But it's like, uh, people wouldn't even want one anymore, which is sad. Anyway. Hi, hi, we're Bring old down, people. RJ. Hi, we're, John and I are very old people. <laughs> no, here's the thing. Yeah. I know who that man is, and okay. I hold him dear to my heart, Good. and I agree. You know, the, uh, the whole series is coming out on DVD this fall. I think it's this fall. Really? Wow. Yeah, yeah. Sometime at... Yeah, they're putting the entire thing on the whole series. I'm gonna go draw the uh, on my wall the Zardoz desk set Columbo <laughs> Phil Silver's Venn diagram. It's getting complicated. The it's the subsidiary crossovers that I'm really curious. Like, is there a Zardoz Phil Silver's exclusive? No, 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 please no. <laughs> Don't. Now I'm just seeing Phil Silver's no. in the dress at the end of Zardoz, but still this <laughs> John Connery's forearms. Yeah, <laughs> just like, grafted on. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Uh, well, I'm going to have nightmares now. <laughs> so thank you for that. <laughs> Jumping you naked much. off of his hotel balcony. Well, thank you very much. Uh, Brenna and Annie for uh, being on the program and, and once again, uh, their program it's the Ladylike Book Club, which can be found at ladylikebookclub.com and you have to you update, like you said about like once a month or so, or Yes, we're shifting to a once a month schedule, though okay. our, all our episodes up to now have been twice a month, so okay, so, so, uh, so, what, so, so uh, what, what's the book you're working on for the next one as a bit of a preview for folks they want to head over there for that Oh, we are, oh hell, what's the name of the title of it? Oh, I was going to ask you that <laughs> <laughs> Okay then uh, it's like very close to our heart. We've both absolutely read it by now. Oh yeah, obviously. And uh, it's about an air stewardess. <laughs> oh snap, that's right. And long distance relationship. Long distance relationship. But it's that like earlier in the two thousands. Yeah, it apparently like it's email. comically dated yeah. already. Wait, right. So it's, it's comically dated, and it's like two thousand one, two thousand two. That was yeah, before September eleventh. Those... So that's comically it's... dated. Well, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, an impossible long-distance relationship in, like, the bright, nascent internet era. Mm-hmm. Oh. Where it's like, or you know, like, that yeah, sort just, yeah, just use a phone. Just use a cell phone or just uh, email. Oh. What's wrong with you? Come on. <laughs> International calls. Yeah. Really it's nice. a Canadian and an Irish. Canadian Irish. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they, they, so. use comp, they use CompuServe to try to talk to each other and... <laughs> I, does stuff. does it include any phrases like hesitantly she plugged the modem in? <laughs> <laughs> she thought of, she thought of Alice as the beeps and boops filled the room. She hoped that no one would pick up the phone on her heart. <laughs> <laughs> Love at three hundred baud. <laughs> well, maybe next time y'all have us on, we'll let you know. So. <laughs> Well, thank you very much uh, once again for uh, going through this creepy episode with us. Thank you for picking this creepy episode. Yeah. It was, it was really strange. Um, so, yeah, that's the show for this week. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, if you want to listen to more episodes, uh, you can always find us at thecitydesk.net slash just one more thing. And, of course, we are in the podcast section of iTunes, TV, and film section, or just search for just one more thing. It'll come right up there. Brown and white photo. Uh, an illustration John did of uh, Peter Falk some text I typed in and that's the whole deal um, so yeah we'll be talking to you next time with another episode of Columbo so uh, thank you very much I'm RJ White I'm John Morris and uh, thank you goodbye
listen, there's one more thing. Uh... Read a few pages of this, uh, will you, Mr. Morris? Just start anywhere, would you please? Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, uh, always pack a bulky sweater and some heavy underwear. Even in the spring, the mountains can get pretty cold at night. Hey, I was reading that. He's blind. He's blind. 